Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, a podcast with the NFL and now a videocast as well. You can hear the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can see the videocast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. Joining us uh, this week is Pittsburgh Post Gazette writer, sports writer, Ray Fittipaldo. And uh, we'll be uh, talking about Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll be talking about uh, the Brian Flores case and all the coaching situations that uh, we're, we're, are going on in the NFL right now. Well, my colleague Eric Kramer is uh, getting a chance to fulfill one of his lifelong ambitions, coaching kids football. You just got started, right? Right. About maybe, I don't know, a month or so ago. And it's over at Camarillo High School, which is about, oh, about 15 minutes from my house. So it's local and, and uh, getting a chance to uh, work with guys that I had done before, long ago. And uh, I had a quarterback and receiver camp, uh, Sunday passing camp going on for years. Got to coach my sons in about 10 years of youth football through the 2000s. And that ended around 2011. And uh, so I've dabbled in coaching here and there with high school, but this is something, I've, as you mentioned before, it's something I've always wanted to do. And uh, so I'm doing it. So, Ray, are you uh, still talking to uh, high school football coaches these days as well as uh, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> our, our former, uh, I'm in the West Allegheny uh, School District out in Pittsburgh, and our, our former coach, he went to Mount Lebanon, uh, he was just honored. He was actually in L.A. for the Super Bowl. He was honored as the NFL Coach of the Year. So he won a state championship um, at Mount Lebanon. So, yeah, lots of uh, lots of good stuff going on in high school football, I'm sure. Definitely in Pittsburgh, but I'm, I'm sure out in L.A. as well. Well, I, I know um, years ago when I was growing up in Pittsburgh, we had the – I forget what town it was. It may have been East Liberty, but my dad was always a big fan of the Little Tigers. You remember the uh, it was a high school football team uh, and they were called the Little Tigers and they were just like going nuts every year. And it, it, was, it was just like just crazy. And I know high school football is is absolutely super strong in your area. Absolutely. I mean, it's still used to be, you know, uh, you know, quarterbacks coming out of here every single year, you know, in the 80s with Marino and Kelly and those guys. It's died down a little bit. I mean, the steel boom. Um, you know, it sort of tapered off a little bit and there's not as many kids in these high schools, but it's still a great area for high school football for sure. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. You know, we're looking down the road toward the NFL draft and one of the big challenges for the NFL right now is the coaching situation. Ryan Flores was fired from the Miami Dolphins and then filed a lawsuit charging racism in the NFL. He charged the NFL's Rooney Rule, which came out of Pittsburgh, uh, requiring the team's interview a black coach hasn't done enough. And since then, several black coaches have been hired. And now he's an assistant in Pittsburgh under the man who was at the time the only black coach in the NFL. That, of course, is Mike Tomlin. Uh, Ray, I want to bring you in and talk a little bit about that. Uh, you've had to, to write a lot about since the end of the season, Ben Roethlisberger retiring, T.J. Watt winning defensive awards, and Keith Butler retiring as defensive coordinator. Now this. So how did the Flores hiring come about? 
actually came about very quickly. Um, Brian Flores actually called Mike Tomlin um, to use him more as a reference, uh, you know, as a mentor, so to speak. And, you know, he called Mike just wanting to know what should my, my next move be? He came to the realization he wasn't going to be a head coach um, in 2022. And he just called Mike for some advice. And then this happened on a Thursday morning. By Friday, they pretty much had the deal hammered out and they announced it on a Saturday. So you're talking about, you know, 48 hours worth of conversation going back and forth. Um, you know, fortunately for Mike and the Steelers, they had an opening because Keith Butler retired. Um, you know, Terrell Austin is going to run the defense this year, but Flores is going to step into that senior, um, you know, the de defensive assistant role. And I, I think it's great for the Steelers. I, I think they've been missing um, something on their staff over the last couple of years. If you go back uh, to the last decade, they had Mike Munchak, Dick LeBeau, Todd Haley, all former head coaches on their staff. And they haven't had that in recent years. And I think even though Austin isn't a former head coach, he's a well-respected coordinator. Flores, obviously, um, a short tenure in Miami, but he's highly respected as well. So I, I think Mike is going about, um, you know, taking the steps to ensure that he does once again have one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. You know, Ray, most of us who followed at least a little bit this Brian Flores lawsuit, um, you know, you, every coach has a clause that has to go to arbitration. So obviously this is going to get tossed out at some point. But what do you, in your perspective, what do you think his sort of bigger vision or mission is for filing this lawsuit? When you look at it from a big picture, and I, I think he has said this himself in interviews, he wants to help out, you know, the younger black coaches who are coming up. So let's say, you know, I don't know, Brian Flores must might be 40 years old, but the guys right now who are 25 or 30, he doesn't want to see them go through what, what he's been going through, um, you know, for the past, uh, you know, two months or so. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, obviously he's suing for damages. Um, you know, he is going to eventually see some money from this, but, you know, taking him at his word um, and, uh, you know, seeing some of the stuff that does go on with, you know, some of these interview processes, um, you know, depending on which side you, you want to believe in those situations, um, you know, there, there seems to be a problem with um, 32 owners not wanting to hire black head coaches or minority head coaches, you know, um, I don't want to leave Ron Rivera out of this because Hispanics should be represented in, in that as well. But um, we saw it turn a little bit with the hiring of Lovey Smith. We now have three minority head coaches. And I think going forward, Brian's goal was to make sure, Hey, 10 years from now, let's not have this be a discussion. Let's have eight or 10 black head coaches in the league. So this won't even be an issue. Did uh, he take any extra heat, um, Flores? I'm talking about over the the plantation comment. I mean, that was kind of kind of out of left field. I think not in Pittsburgh. You know, I I, I did hear that. You know that that came up. Um, you know, when I when I read other stories about it, but that didn't get a lot of play here. I think focusing on uh, on on the Steelers and what he'll he'll bring to this equation. You know, it's it, it's a defense that. Um, was last in the league in, in run defense last year. I think they plummeted from, I think, a top five scoring defense 
to uh, being in the in the 20s, I think 20 or 21st by season's end last year. So when people in Pittsburgh were talking about this hire, I think it was more um, from the perspective of what he can do to help the Steelers. Um, you know, the, the national talk of how the lawsuit plays out or, you know, any of uh, the controversial comments in there, they really didn't get a lot of play um, back here. You know, Ray, with all the other things going on in the league too, not just racial issues being just one of them, you know, you go back to what just came out here recently about the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones settlement with the cheerleaders and the, the yeah. Washington uh, culture that's been created and sustained by Daniel Snyder. Um, and then uh, just within the league offices themselves, uh, just the culture and the environment, this just being one of sort of, it almost seems like this couldn't be a worse timing for the league and its owners which seems to be a great timing for Brian Flores and the people who he's looking after. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I think the Steelers, um, you know, knowing their history with the Rooney rule too, I think this is something that, that uh, their team president, Art Rooney said, Hey, Mike, listen, if he's out there, go ahead and make this hire. He might be a head coach in 2023, but we can help him get back on his feet. And, you know, we could sort of quell some of the criticism that's coming in the NFL's way. So I, I think it, it, it's a home run for the Steelers. I think it's great for Brian, Brian that he doesn't have to sit out a year. Um, you know, the Steelers giving him this opportunity. And then when the culture does change and, uh, um, you know, you see almost every year there's more incentives for teams to hire minorities. Maybe some of these things will come to fruition and maybe more blacks will be hired into these positions. But, uh, yeah, I, I think for the Steelers and for Brian, um, I, I don't think it could have worked out any better. You know, I think he was before that phone call to Mike, he was probably sitting there thinking he's not going to have a job in 2022. I, I'm assuming it's a one year deal. So, like you said, he, he he could be there for a year and then get a job as a head coach the following year. Right. He could. You know, most most Steelers coaching contracts with assistants run two years for their coordinators. They do three years. So, you know, Brian's position, kind of like in a senior defensive role, he might have gotten a three-year deal. But when it comes to the coaching carousel, you know, next January, if he's going to be up for a head job, they would gladly, you know, let him walk and, you know, get back on his feet and be a, be a head coach again. Now, one thing about the Rooney rule, you know, I mean, obviously we all know what it is. And uh, the Steelers were the ones that pushed it in, obviously, uh, under Dan. Um, do you anticipate changes in the Rooney rule, maybe expanding it? I mean, I know there's been talk of it. Uh, and, you know, when the Steelers go in with the rest of the teams and the, the rules committee and, and the, you know, what they, what they have to sit down and look at after this uh, year, uh, do you expect changes in the rule? Well, if you look at it, there's been almost like amendments, um, not on a yearly basis, but every couple of years. And, you know, I think most recently, um, the league has incentivized um, hiring black coordinators. And now um, you also see hiring senior front office positions. So I, I think you'll continue to see those types of incentives, um, you know, put forward. And they're not, um, they're not small incentives. I mean, I think if Brian Flores moves on in a couple of years, the Steelers would get back a third round pick in return. I mean, a third round pick, you potentially could, could get a starter out of that. So those are the types of things that 
um, the league is trying to do. I know others um, from the outside kind of want to, you know, rip it up and go with something else. But I, I think because it has Dan's name on it mm-hmm. and because, um, you know, the Steelers started this, I think the league would like to see it through and like just continue with these amendments or improvements. I just don't get the idea that they want to start over again. Do you find it in any way sad, really, that this has to be legislated into the hiring process? I mean, exactly. it, which you can't do, which you, it's never going to work. I don't care what you put in there. And it's just sad to me that that has to be in somebody, like that has to be shoved into somebody's consciousness. Right. It's sad. If you look at it, Eric, there are 32 white owners, right? We do not have a minority owner in the NFL. And I don't think, you know, until that happens, um, and I, you know, I, I've heard some rumblings that, you know, there are some things with the Broncos ownership, you know, something could be, could be done there. But until that happens, I don't think black head coaches are going to have that voice who will go to bat for them. So, you know, we, we've seen it with the Roonies and Mike Tomlin. Um, you guys probably know the story, but the Steelers were set to hire Russ Grimm way back in 2007. Yep. Yep. Uh, it was between Russ and Ken Wisenhunt, and Art Rooney and Dan Rooney continued to go through the hiring process, the interview process, and they had this young black defensive coordinator from Minnesota come in for an interview. He knocked their socks off, and all of a sudden he, he was the favorite and he was hired. So I think more owners have to go into these situations with an open mind like Dan and Art did some 14 years ago. Um, for whatever reason, that doesn't happen often enough, but I think that that's sort of the template that NFL teams should use. Um, you know, we know you have someone on your staff that you might want to hire, but let's go ahead and have you hire or interview five minority coaching candidates and let's see what happens. And if you don't hire them, they get their name out there and they get the, you know, the experience uh, at the very least of going through that process. Now, one of the things that uh, I think the league has a bigger problem with, and that is the other charge that Flores made uh, against the owner of the Miami Dolphins in that he wanted him to throw games to get a better draft pick. And, you know, we've seen the league open up a team in Las Vegas, which it never did before. We've seen the league embrace gambling, which it never did before. And now you've got uh, an owner accused of attempting to throw games to get a better draft pick and paying a coach to do that, whether it happened or not, we don't know. Um, That's got to be a huge issue as far as overall, maybe even, maybe not as big as well, maybe even bigger than, than, than the the race issue at this point. I I mean, I think it's major and I want to hear Eric's thoughts on this being a former player. Um, You want a head coach like Brian Flores telling that guy to keep his money. Right. I mean, you want to, Go out and try to win every single game. I, I know, I know, owners and maybe front office people want to sit back and tank and you know try to get the the highest draft pick possible. But if you're in the league for three, four years, you know you you don't have any guarantee of a second contract. You want to win ASAP. So I, you know, I, I think the fact that that came out as well, and the fact that the NFL has to investigate that. Um, Boy, you know, if their owner, Stephen Ross, is guilty of that and that can be proven, um, you know, they're going to have to do something major to, you know, to deal with him, I think. I agree with you. I mean, you, you know, I remember back when there was this little tank for Tua 
comment going around. But there was all that's to me always seemed like something media, just something fun to talk about. I never would have thought there was an owner that's trying to influence it in that direction. Because I can't, there's no such thing as a coach that's going to stand up in front of a team and say, make sure on your way out the door today, you think about how to lose this game. That's never going to happen. That conversation is never going to come up. And how did it turn out? The, the Chargers ended up the best quarterback in that draft, right? So you never know who you're going to tank for. You never know. But I mean, the fact that someone's, someone like an owner would actually promote that is sick because you've got everybody in that organization, not just the players that have a stake in winning. And so that is so anti, like the pyramid goes like that. So the NFL is up there. Along with Major League Baseball, like I can't imagine any team on any competitive level, paid or not paid, right? thinking that way. Yeah, I think Roger Goodell, Bob would have, he would have to have some serious discussions with other owners if that's proven, and they would have to come to a consensus. You don't see throw, owners thrown out of the NFL very often. Um, you saw it in Carolina a couple of years ago for different circumstances, but that is a major, major uh, offense if, it, if, if it's proven. We'll move on a little bit. Um, Steelers draft, um, you know, before we came on the air, uh, uh, or, um, Eric and I were talking about uh, I, who did I like and who do people in Pittsburgh like. And I think there's a – you can probably find a pretty good amount of people, if not a majority, that would like to see the Steelers draft Kenny Pickett if he is available. Um, and of course, part of that going back, I mean, I've seen pick a play. I love, I love the kid. I think he's, he's going to be a, a really good uh, future NFL player. Uh, and he's local. And we talked about that, but the other thing is tell me if I'm wrong, everybody or a lot of people in Pittsburgh have this mentality in their head to say, if we pass on Kenny Pickett, are we passing on Dan Marino again? <laughs> well, it, that's funny that you mentioned that because the 1983 draft was loaded with good quarterbacks, right? I mean, the Dolphins got Marino, I think, at number 28 or something like that. This quarterback class, you know, Pickett is kind of the best of a weaker class. So I don't know if it would be viewed quite like that, but I think he is the best quarterback in this draft class. And, you know, it's interesting. Every time I look at a national mock draft or I turn on the NFL network and it's all about the Steelers finding a replacement for Ben Roethlisberger. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about that in Pittsburgh too, but also in Pittsburgh, if you cover the team on a daily basis, you know, the offensive line is just in tatters. Yeah. Uh, you know, the defensive line is aging out. Their best player, Cam Hayward is 33. Uh, they're starting those tackle. Tyson Alulu is 35 and coming off a major ankle injury that ended his season. So, you know, I, I think, it's probably more likely O-line or D-line is going to be the pick at number 20 than a quarterback, but I can't rule it out just because that position is so important for a football team. If the Steelers fall in love with Kenny Pickett and he falls to them, they would have to seriously consider making that call. Yeah, I, I just uh, – and Bob and I were talking, and I remember just a guy listening to a guy talk about this as a former player just earlier this week, talking about whoever goes in that spot, if it's a quarterback, what he's going to be stepping into. There's not a lot of those out there. 
And like you said, yes, they're, they've got some issues other places, but by and large, there's not a lot of better situations you can step into as a young quarterback because you got it on both sides of the ball. You know, yeah, they might need a piece here and there, but generally speaking, they're pretty good. No, you're, you're right, Eric. Uh, they went out and got their running back last year. Najee Harris is going to be a really good player in this league. They got, I think, one of the best young tight ends in Pat Fryermuth. And their receivers were inconsistent last year, but there's some talent there. There's something they can work with. So if they do get the O-line fixed, then, yeah, that's a pretty decent situation to step into. Um, they just had a hard time last year protecting Ben. You know, we all know the stats. He was getting rid of the ball faster than anyone else in the league. He was sacked 38 times. So that's, from, from, from a fan standpoint in Pittsburgh, that's the glaring need. You know, quarterback might be 1A, but I think the only reason I'm saying that is because it's, quote, unquote, a weaker quarterback class. And, you know, you're not guaranteed to get a Justin Herbert uh, or anyone like that in this draft. And, you know, if you do pick a quarterback in the first round, he doesn't have to start the first year. You still have Mason Rudolph, who uh, to me is a very capable quarterback. I and mean, he hasn't had the chance really to prove it. I had a few games. I think he, he's what, six and five or something like that, six, five and one in his career. But he, it was always, you know, a couple of those games he had to come in. Like on Saturday, he was told that he was going to start on Sunday because of COVID. So, I mean, you know, uh, I, I think they're probably um, – a year with Mason Rudolph would probably be okay, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they signed him to a $5 million deal last year to ensure that he would be their quote-unquote bridge quarterback for this year. Now, they could upgrade in free agency. You know, if they like, um, you know, a Mitch Trubisky or a Jameis Winston, I'm just throwing <laughs> names out there, some of the free agents. But if they like one of those guys better, then they could – they could potentially make that move, or if they want to go young and go in the draft, um, you know, they could potentially, uh, you know, go for Pickett or you know, Malik Willis is the other hot name right now. Uh, he's a guy who definitely wouldn't come in and play year one. He's coming in from a smaller school, uh, you know, has all the the tools and athleticism you need uh, to be a very good quarterback, but he just hasn't put it together yet. So it'd be more of a project. So they got plenty of options here, but uh, yeah, Bob, I'm with you. If, if it plays out that Mason is your quarterback in 2022 and let's say next year, there's five or six first round talents who, who could be available, then it's not that bad for the Steelers. You know, there are a lot of teams in the NFL and the Steelers are just finding this out right now, but there are a lot of teams in the NFL, more like half the league that still need a franchise quarterback. The Steelers, just happened to be lucky for the last 18 years to have that guy in Ben Roethlisberger. I had to laugh when you said Mitch Trubisky because it was <laughs> two years ago uh, when he was playing in Chicago and we were talking about Mitch and I had asked Eric, maybe it was three years ago. Uh, I asked Eric, I said, you know, are, if he, cause Eric still holds the passing records for the bears, the all-time passing records. And I said, if he breaks your record, are you going to go and, to that game where it potentially is going to break it and congratulate him. And he said, only if he sends me a ticket. And then the next year, Trubisky was like, down and, and, and he was ragging on him a lot. So when you mentioned Trubisky as a possible Steeler quarter, I said, no, no, no. I'll, I'll just say this, Ray. I, I don't think Trubisky will be an upgrade over uh, who you mentioned before, Mason Rudolph. Yeah. <laughs> That's just my personal opinion. And probably the opinion of however many million people live in Chicago. <laughs> the reason I mentioned him is because Mike Tallman wants the mobile quarterback and he's 
probably the most, the best of the mobile quarterbacks on the open market. You know, I hear Garoppolo a lot, and I'm, I'm telling them, I said, Steelers should have to trade for Garoppolo. They don't have the draft value, the, uh, the, uh, the draft value to do that uh, at this point. And, and besides, I don't want to see Garoppolo go to Pittsburgh, but that's, a, that's personal. So. $27 million left on his contract, too. I don't know if the Steelers yeah. want to take that on. Either, yeah, that's, so. that's a lot. So, so uh, anything else you guys want to wrap, up, wrap this up before we wrap it up? Well, good. Well, I'd like to give yeah. real quick here. I'd like to give a shout out to my boy Mike Kafka, who just left the Chiefs as their quarterback coach, went with Brian Dable over to the Giants. And Mike's a guy that when he was coming out of Northwestern, I used to have a quarterback and receiving camp back then. And uh, there came a time when I was starting to work with a lot more college guys getting ready for the, the draft and then after mini camp for training camp. So Mike was one of those guys. And so I'm very happy for him to see him uh, moving on and upward. Ray, a final thought? No, I appreciate you guys having me on again. It's always good to come in and uh, talk NFL and Steelers with you guys. I appreciate it. All right. Ray Fittipaldo, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette sports writer. There you have it. Kramer and Brill, an NFL podcast, now a videocast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsum, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts. And now you can also see the videocast on my YouTube channel, the Bob Brill YouTube channel, or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way. For my friend and colleague, Eric Kramer, I'm Bob Brill.